so I hope that helps you remember uh, some of the content of the book, but our focus today is not going to be so much on remembering the content of the book as it is um, listening to God and thinking about our application of it. Um, you know, this is roughly our 15th sermon in the series on the book of Joshua, and you can add to that probably 15 small group discussions in your small group, as well as a number of personal readings in the book of Joshua. After all of that, what is your great takeaway from the book of Joshua? What's the great lesson that God is pressing on you? What's the great act of obedience that God is asking you? After all these hours of listening and studying and reading, what is God saying to you from the book of Joshua? And we're not particularly good at that question because we're so incredibly busy. As soon as we finish one thing, we're off to the next thing. And that's the way we read the Bible, too. We finish this book, we're off to that book. But not today. Today, we're simply going to sit before God and ask him the question, God, what do you want of me in light of the book of, of Joshua? Um, James says it well in terms of the importance of this. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So what have you seen in the mirror that is the book of Joshua. And today what we're going to do, as you can tell, we're starting a little bit differently. We're going to weave the teaching in and out of the worship. So there'll be a time of remembering as from the word, and I'll lead us in that. And a time of prayer as we reflect on what it means. And then we'll have some singing in worship to respond um, during that time. And we'll, we'll be going in and out of that uh, throughout the Throughout the day today, we'll, we'll have some remembering of the teaching, some responding in, in singing and prayerful worship, and hopefully all of this will lead us to obedience. And in light of that, perhaps the best place to begin today is, is what is a major emphasis in the book of Joshua, and that is simply our obedience. Um, you know, the book of Joshua begins and ends with calls to obedience in chapter 1. Uh, God says to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my, Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. And if you went all the way to the last two chapters of the book, we hear similar echoes to God's people. Only be very careful to observe the commandment. And the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. To love the Lord your God. To walk in all his ways. To keep his commandments. To cling to him. To serve him with all your heart. And with all your soul. And again, a little bit farther. Therefore be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. It's how the book starts. It's how the book ends. It's what marks Joshua. 
In chapter 10, the middle section, it says, Joshua struck the whole land, the hill country, and the Negev, and the lowland, and the slopes, and all their kings, and he left none remaining, but devoted to destruction all that breathed, just as the Lord God of Israel commanded. A few verses later, Joshua did to them, just as the Lord said to him. And again, Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. It, it starts the book, obedience does, it ends the book. It marks Joshua, it marks the people of God. This is how they respond and this is how they open the book. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you, Joshua. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So obedience marks the book, it marks Joshua, it marks Israel. And so the question this morning is, does it mark you? Have you done anything in response to the book of Joshua? Is God asking something of you to believe or to do in response to these 15 weeks with Joshua. And so let me ask you just to bow with me in prayer and let's reflect on that together. Seek God about this very important question. What am I to take away from the book of Joshua? Bow with me, please. So Lord, we're we're sweeping away the cobwebs and we're trying to remember. Remember all the, all the stories of your faithfulness to your people that, that are typical of your faithfulness to us. And we're trying to remember, what did you say to us? What did you ask of me? What does it mean for me to be faithful and obedient in response to your faithfulness to your promises and so Lord we we examine ourselves before you well Lord is our obedience full is it prompt are we persevering in it or have we have we simply forgotten what you've asked of us are we glad to obey you Or do we delay? Do we only partly obey? Do we explain our disobedience away? Do we rationalize it or excuse it or blame someone else for it? God forbid. For our Savior says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so as you bow before the Lord, how is your love for Jesus being shown these days? especially in response to the teaching of the book of Joshua. Well, the scriptures warn us that it is by this that we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word... In him truly the love of God is perfected. 
And by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So Lord, as we bow before you, I pray even today you would grant us clarity on what it is that you want for us to keep and do, who it is we are to cling and love. Um, Give us an undistracted mind. Give us an undivided heart. Oh Lord, give us grace to remember and to obey. You know, that exercise might have snuck up on you. And you may not know what God has been saying to you lo these many weeks. You may have forgotten or may never have listened well. And so, in the midst of all the Father's Day festivities this afternoon, let me encourage you. Get out your notes. Get out your Bible. Remember the kindness of God to you and what he is asking of you in response. But in chapter 7 of the book of Joshua, Israel suffers an anomaly amidst a string of victories. There's a crushing defeat, a rout at the hands of her enemies. The very ones that God had promised that he would drive out before them The nation is defeated, and 36 of her warriors pay with their lives. Could be that 36 families have no fathers. Something has gone terribly wrong, and God knows. And as only he can, he reveals its source. In chapter 7, the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. As we've learned to say, there's sin in the camp. And so a search is undertaken in tribe by tribe, clan by clan, household by household, and finally man by man. They come before Joshua and come before the Lord until one man remains. Achan or Achan. And Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and I took them and, and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And then the severest of judgments takes place just a couple verses later. They burned Han and his family with fire and stoned them with stones. 
They raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. And then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Perhaps the greatest tragedy in this story is that it's not just Achan who suffers for his sin. His sons and daughters die that day with him. Soldiers die because of his sin. Thirty-six of them. Even the animals die. And the whole nation is defeated because of one man's sin. We call it the ripple effect, where the consequences of this one man's sin just keep going and going and going. Who will suffer because of your sin? Will it cost your children? Has it already? Will it harm your friends? Will it weaken your church? Who will suffer because of the secret sins that you cherish? You know, we read this story and we think, but it was just greed, right? I mean, he just, it's not like he was out burning and raping and pillaging and such. Um, he just wanted a little more. That's, it's interesting, that's what the studies tell us. They tell us that whether you make 30K or 100K or if you make a cool million, you always think that you'll be happy with just 10% more. Just always 10% more. Covetousness, materialism, affluenza, it goes by lots of names. The scriptures often call it greed, and they say that it's idolatry, that it's looking for satisfaction and hope in all the wrong places. And the wisdom of Ecclesiastes says it plainly, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is his vanity. It's folly. It's empty. The wisdom of Proverbs warns us, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Could your greed be causing troubles for the people that you love most? Most likely it is. That's what sin is like. It's indiscriminate in who it harms. So is there a secret sin? Maybe it's covetousness. Or maybe it's something very different. Something that you have hidden under the floor of your tent hoping that no one will know and no one will see. And the ripples of it are heading straight for the people that you love most. Would you pray with me? Lord, search us now.
and see if there be any wicked way in us. Help us keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what we have. For you, Lord, have said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says, no one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It can't be done. Does it bring to you more joy to buy or to give? Are you happy to give? Happy to give anonymously? Will you lend your things freely? Are you glad and thankful for where you live and for what you drive and for what you wear? Lord, do have mercy on us and search our hearts now. Don't let us hide anymore. For he who confesses and renounces his sins finds mercy. Israel had been waiting for generations, literally generations. First as slaves in Egypt and then as they wandered aimlessly in the desert, they had been waiting for God to bring them to the land that he had promised to their ancestors so long ago. And then in chapter 3 of Joshua, it happened. The waters of the Jordan were miraculously dried up and Israel crossed on dry ground. And then in chapter 4, Joshua does something interesting. He sends 12 men, one for each tribe, back into that riverbed, each carrying a large stone. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. It's like Joshua knew that they were forgetful people. And he knew that that they and their children would need help remembering God's great faithfulness in what I call the in-between times, the times when God's faithfulness is, is hidden. As one writer said, though, the greatest enemy of faithfulness may be forgetfulness. And so on a handful of occasions throughout the book of Joshua, you saw it in the video Altars and stones were stacked to help the people remember it at Achan's grave. The altar of witness. Joshua's stone of witness in chapter 24. And then these 12 stones, of course, in the riverbed. 
than on the side of the Jordan. Are you careful to remember God's faithfulness to you? Do you recount it to your kids? Do you have little piles of stories that help you and your children trust God in the in-between times when God's faithfulness is not so evident? Do you bow your head around the dinner table every day and give thanks for the faithfulness of God that day? See, we must remember the faithfulness of our God. We must remember. We are commanded to remember. And and that's what we're about to do with this table. This table, it's our great stack of stones that helps us remember and never forget the loving faithfulness of our God. As those stones at the Jordan were to be a memorial forever, Joshua said. So is this table a memorial forever until Jesus himself comes again. This is how we remember together as God's people the faithful love of God for us in Jesus. Remember with me. This is, this is what we remember that the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed Jesus in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, They stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him and the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi. Lena sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last.
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Would you bow with me as we get ready to approach the table? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we remember together that on the night on which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body and it is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he took a cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Do this also in remembrance of me. And Joshua, to close the book, he, he calls the people of Israel to absolute fidelity to Yahweh, the one true God. And his words, they're for us this day. And so I would like to read over you the charge that Joshua gave to Israel, some of it. And when I'm completed with that, you'll respond and read the response that Israel gave to Joshua's charge as your own confession of fidelity to God by his mercy and grace. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then the people answered, and read this with me as our confession. Far be it from us, 
that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Lord, hear our confession. You, our God, we will serve, and your voice we will obey. Help us, God. Help us in our unbelief and in our weakness and in our foolishness and our forgetfulness. Help us, Lord. Have mercy on us. And help us to, to live out this confession this day. Lord, help us to be gladly obedient this day and this week, this month this year, this decade, this, this life that you give to us. And this we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Actually, sorry about that. You stand back up. We're going <laughs> to sing a closing song.